Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search. Brought to you by VIP. VIP is your premier recruiting firm for accounting and finance, and we're here to serve you no matter where you're located in the U.S., so give us a call. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and I am your all-around hiring guru. And you know that I love to bring you, you know, new topics that a lot of people don't think about that might affect us in the workplace, and today's no different. So today on the show, I'd like to welcome Dr. Solomon, MD, MBA, and PhD. Dr. Solomon is a psychiatrist focusing on helping people deal with stress in the workplace. Don't we all have that? He helps leaders answer two questions. Are you where you would like to be in your professional life? And do you feel stuck in your career? How many of us feel stuck, right? His main goal is to help healthcare and business professionals advance in their careers in a way that promotes and supports a healthy life, overall lifestyle. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Solomon. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for inviting me, Casey. It will be a blast today. I think it will. And hopefully when we finish today, people are going to walk away with a few tools for their toolkit on how to deal with that workplace stress because it is a doozy and has gotten to be a doozy over the past, especially couple of years, but pretty much for all of eternity of careers. But before we go straight into that, I always like to ask how we got connected. Pop quiz. Yes, uh, through our common friend, uh, Mark Hirschberg. Correct. He was on the show and he was so gracious. He's like, here's some people who I think might be a real good fit for your show. Um, check them out, see if you think that they might work. And you were one of those people. So thank you for agreeing to come on the show with us today. Thank you. And big thank you to uh, Mark Hirschberg if you are hearing us today. In fact, I was in touch with him yesterday. We we're planning to go live on LinkedIn and then uh, things didn't work out and we're planning to do it hopefully in September. Awesome, awesome. That's a, that's a bold move to go live. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, one other thing that I wanna share real quick because, and I don't normally do this, so bear with me, but mm -hmm. I love it when I stumble across something that's gonna help me be more productive at work. And I have recently discovered the Remote Markable Notebook. Have you heard of this? Mm -mm. And I, let me tell you, I'm not an affiliate. I, I get, I do not get paid for this. But when I find something that I just absolutely love, I, I just like it. Just I can't keep my mouth shut about it. But this is a digital notebook, and it feels like you're actually writing on paper. But then it. Oh, now I know what you're talking. Yes. About. Yes. I yep. just got mine. It. I'm going to eliminate ten pounds of paperwork from my life. Yes. And they are, is that the second version or the yes. third version? Yep. It's the second yeah. version. You're absolutely right. So yes. for those of you who need to get some organization in your life, check out the Remarkable Notebook. It is incredible, especially if you're big on writing stuff down like I am. Does it feel like paper? It does. Ah. And even when you change the pen type, the, the point, so you can change it between like ballpoint, uh, fine, fine line or uh, pencil, the feeling changes. Oh, it's so you, incredible. They got it, 
almost like a paper. It feel, uh, yeah, I mean, it's about the closest thing that I've ever come to, and it's still, everything is so organized. Can you tell I'm obsessed? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but for good reasons. I mean, we all want something like this. Yeah, I'm gonna- It didn't exist for a long time. I will I totally eliminate my paper. The, yeah, sorry? I said, I'm gonna totally eliminate all paper in my life. Oh, yeah, the first version, I remember they had a hard time getting people to buy into it and there were some technical issues, but it seems like the second one really flew well. So uh, maybe I'll give it a shot. Yeah, and they got it to me very quickly from the time I ordered it to the time I received it, it was like four days. So for you instant gratification people, that's pretty close to instant gratification. <laughs> so, okay. So enough about the remarkable. There you got some free publicity. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do. Let's kind of set this up on why you are the person to talk to about stress in the workplace. So I started my career as a pharmacist. And that was a long time ago. Just don't want to outdate myself. And then I found pharmacy has a ceiling in terms of personal growth the best you can do is to own your own pharmacy, right? And that was not really what I was looking for. So I said, okay, let me try research, biomedical research. And I loved it, loved it. Um, territory of freedom and friendship, absolutely. Um, a word on the street is uncertainty. It's almost like an entrepreneur. You have no idea where you will land. So I did my master's uh, in Alberta and did my PhD in genetics uh, in, uh, at the University of Toronto. And during that time, unfortunately, a big event happened. Uh, my uh, main advisor went through a severe depression and um, unfortunately I lost him to um, suicide. Mm. And it wasn't just one point. I have seen him going through the ups and downs of depression through almost four years. And that made me think, like, what is this? I haven't seen personally mental illness of that severity maybe ever before this incident. And so it made me question what I do and whether what my skills uh, could be moved to a different career. So I went back to the medical career, not as a pharmacist, but now as a physician with the idea of becoming a psychiatrist, which I'm in doing now. Uh, midway through, I realized I'm Canadian. So I realized the healthcare system in this country is too big to understand. Uh, so I said, okay, let me try to see how I can understand the healthcare economics here. So there was an opportunity to do an MBA uh, through my uh, medical school at Cornell. Uh, and it was eye-opening, Casey. It was really eye-opening because there are many things you don't get taught in medical school about healthcare economics until someone tell you, oh, by the way, blah, blah, blah. Um, and you can see things from a different lens. During this journey, um, 
I always loved coaching. And uh, I said, what is the way to become a certified coach? Because you can tell from my background, I like things to be um, more pedagogical or um, more formal. And so I went through the ICF uh, process to become a certified coach. And that was quite a process, but was absolutely rewarding. I'm not sure if you are aware of the ICF. Um, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, and, and what certification level are you? Are you ACC, uh, MCC, or PCC? No, I'm ACC. Okay. Yeah, so I'm working on getting my certification as an ACC as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the International Coaching Federation, that's definitely, for anybody that's wanting to look into coaching, that is the accrediting body. It's kind of like your higher education accrediting bodies. That is the accrediting body for coach schools. Yes, it is the gold standard. I know mm -hmm. there are many other smaller entities, but this is the one that sets the standard. And as you know, Casey, the process is long, which is good. Yeah. They don't give you a certificate in two weeks. Oh, no, no, um, no. No. <laughs> it's, it's a really long process. So this is where I am now in link between psychiatry and life coaching. And the difference between the two that can be blurry sometimes. So in psychiatry, you take someone, whether they were highly functional or non-highly functional, but you take them in a moment where they are most vulnerable mm -hmm. at one of the lowest points of their life. And you would like to help them to get back to just baseline. And that will be really success. In coaching, you, take, you can take the same person, but now they're in a different phase of their career and you take them to the next level. Mm -hmm. So now they are functional and you want them to be ex excelling. Yes, absolutely. And I think that, you know, we always, when I was going through coaching school, we would describe it like we're not therapists, right? That's, those are two different, very different disciplines that we are, we don't take the broken and fix them. We take good to great. That's the difference yes. between a therapist and a coach, right? So, yes. um, so as a psychiatrist, and I know, I think you said you're still working on studying to do that, right? Or have yes, you, correct? Okay, yes. okay. You, man, you've had a lot of careers, a lot of careers yeah. that require a lot of education. <laughs> I would like to say this is the last, but don't hold me. Yeah, don't uh, hold me accountable for it. Wow. Who knows? That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, but, you know, you are helping individuals cope with stress in the workplace. I think you're doing an internship right now or a residency. Residency, yeah. Yes. So yeah. since we spend the majority of our time at work, it's critical to learn some stress management techniques. So what are some stress reduction strategies that work and produce results that you've seen? I'll start with the term stress. Okay. Is stress always bad or sometimes it's good. So I'll answer this after I ask you the second question. Are we talking about acute, subacute, or chronic stress? And here I'm using medical terms, but let me uh, simplify it. So the concept of stress is not always bad. Like, are you a procrastinator, Casey? Mm. Or no? Not really, because I have Not too much really. that has to be done. So I have to like do it like right then just to get it, knock oh, it out. Good for you. But good I used to you. be. I used yeah. to be. Used to be. Yeah. And so what will get you moving 
to get things done? I think what gets me moving to get things done, and this is going to sound like a really weird brain hack, okay? okay? That every morning I get up and I write down my calendar, my things to do, and I have committed to myself, once I write it down, it has to get done, including mm -hmm. working out. So I'm really careful about when I write that down. Cool. So it is the timing. Mm -hmm. It is the deadline that mm -hmm. you have to meet. And what happens at the time is the stress response kicks in. So uh, you will get the adrenaline rush and will tell you, Casey, time to get this done. And you will see this with procrastinators. They will tell you, how can I stop procrastinating? Well, it seems like the thing that works for them is actually procrastination. They get the stress near the deadline and then bam, they start getting on the wheel. So stress is not always um, a bad thing. That was me in but, school. What? That was me in school. Uh, see, <laughs> and it worked yep. and it worked. You are now who you are. So uh, it can be, and if for immune system too, remember when we get any infection, the stress response is what gets the white blood cells to the infection site and then uh, we have the inflammation response, which is not always bad. We need the inflammation there to get the bacteria or the virus out of our system. But what I'm trying to say is not always bad. A little bit is good. Just when things get overwhelming, then, or past a certain threshold, then things get out of control. So let's talk about the acute stress. The acute stress is someone walks into your office and, and said something very passive aggressive and left or an email that you read and just really get you infuriated or something really acute and quick. I just this pictured one, that email, by the way. Oh, <laughs> I just pictured it? I was like, oh yeah. Okay, go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Yeah. How did you, how did you react? How did you feel? Oh, I went whoop, right through the yeah. roof. Yeah. And I'm, then I was like, great, this is not going to go well, you know, based on the response. And it was, yeah, it was very, and then I had to sit back and have some conversations with, you know, somebody that I trusted before I answered and responded to the email. But yeah, it was like, I'm not sure if that was just more mad than stress, but it did yeah. stress me out because of the person it came from. Yeah, exactly. And, and this is very common in workplaces very common in anything it is now we live in a digital era and any written communication unfortunately does not have a tone mm. there is no way we can attach the person and fax them or fax their voice yeah. to the other side so to manage this there are few techniques that really works but they mostly involve breathing so i'll tell you one of them now. You can do this, one, two, and out in four. Is it important to breathe out through your mouth when you do that, or can you? You can do it from your nose, but the inhalation better be from the nose. Some people have problems breathing from the nose, then they can do it from the mouth, but ideally you um, breathe from the nose too, most important exhalation is double the time of inhalation. And this 
is a physiological response, just not to overwhelm people with the biology of it and mm -hmm. the respiration centers and the ponds and stuff. Uh, this is not um, something that's not based in physiology. Another way to do it, and this has been studied since the uh, 40s, um, is a variation, the physiological sigh. You know how we sigh? Yeah. Yeah, it gives you a relief. So one way to do it is, it might sound funny, but it works. Okay. Is this as if someone opened cold water in you and you can't breathe. Okay. And then you are this reaction. So two from the nose, four from the mouth, and you do this two or three times. What happens is immediately your um, sympathetic system, which is the fight or flight, will start to calm down. And the parasympathetic system, which is relax system, will start to kick in. For the heart rate though, it might take about 20 seconds to calm down. So people who would like to get their heart rate response right away, I just tell them, don't worry about it. When you read this email, just do this and physiologically you'll be calmer. Why I suggest this one, uh, say above other ones like yoga or um, meditation, which I'm a big fan of, in acute stress, you might not be in the best environment to do yoga or anything. You'll literally just need something right now and no one will say, oh, she's weird. Like, <laughs> what is she doing? So we breathe every second, thankfully. And so if you just breathe in a different way, two, three times, it, that would work. So this is for acute stress. And it's such a simple technique. I mean, and really it does sound a lot like meditation. It's just not the yeah. full, you know, taking it all in and, you know, going to that Zen, lowering your brain waves and all that kind of stuff. It's just a quick little relief. I like that. Exactly. I, I exactly. hadn't heard of that one, the one. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's good. I think, uh, was it uh, Jake, um, Jake Fieldman or Jake Fieldman, I believe at UCLA who studied it consistently. I need to double check, but I know it's someone from UCLA who studied really well. Um, and how it affects the stress and the breathing. Then the subacute stress. So this is the thing that will last for anywhere from hours to days to few weeks. And this could be a big project you're working on and you know it is very important. It could be um, a relationship at work or outside of work that's affecting your work. It could be a transition. You're going up the ladder vertically in your company or you're moving horizontally. You just said, I'm going to a different career and you're adjusting. Um, it could be a post feedback and now you have, uh, you are on probation for a certain number of weeks to improve. Any of these things that are not immediate, it's not like a, an email. And this one, uh, meditation would be really, really helpful. Why? Because you know you're dealing with it on daily basis. 
So something as little as 10 minutes a day, and I can recommend many apps, uh, and I don't have any affiliation to any of them, uh, but one of them is Insight Timer. Oh, I use that one. Oh, cool. I yeah. use that one too. Yeah, it is free. It has lots of variety. And I would recommend people start with the body scan. And why say the body scan? Because the mind has uh, its own life. It wonders and wonders and wonders. And so it's very hard for many to start with just listening to someone and following. So I them, okay, with the body scan, you will have an anchor. The guider will tell you, oh, now you pay attention to the feet. Now you pay attention to the shin. Now you pay attention to the knee. So your mind has an anchor mm -hmm. and then you can focus with it. And they can be anywhere five, 10 minutes. The meditation that works is the meditation that you will stick to. That's exactly right. You know, I was doing a class on Mind Valley. Are you familiar with that? Mm -hmm. With the Vanish Lakiani, I think is how you say his name. Um, but I, it was another lady that does meditation and it was just, the course was amazing, but she would do, like if you were doing your own meditation, she would give you an anchor word. And she goes, and I want you to anchor this in the back of your head. And then uh -huh. I want you to breathe. And the anchor word was just one. Oh. And so like anytime you started thinking, cause she's like, you're going to have thoughts. We're all gonna have thoughts and we're all gonna wander when we're meditating. But she said, whenever you catch yourself wandering, just think one. And then you could go back to concentrating on your breath. It was really interesting. But I like to do guided meditations on, and I've got a favorite channel on YouTube, and it's just called Great Meditations. Uh-huh. It's really, really good. I've been doing it for years. Uh, great Meditations? Mm-hmm. It's a YouTube channel. Uh -huh. Terrific. And how long are each meditation? Usually they're about 10 minutes and most of them are for the morning, but every now and then she'll pop in um, one to help you go to sleep. And sometimes she'll pop in some five minutes and every now and then she'll pop in some 30 minutes, but mostly 10 minutes. Uh-huh. Oh, that's, that's really cool. Because yeah, people tell you I can't carve 10 minutes in my life to do this. And I tell them then we're dealing with a different problem. <laughs> you don't really want to be stress-free. And you know, yeah. when I do my meditation, mm -hmm. I do it, it's the very, very, very first thing I do in the morning before I even get out of bed. The best thing you can do. And you know why? Because once you leave the bed, the day starts. Game is over. Yeah. Game is over. Once you start to look at your phone and yeah. the emails, game is over. Absolutely. I know some people, yeah, who do it between 3 to 5 p.m. where they have some time, all the big chunks of their schedule is now out. Uh, but this, the best way in the morning, and the way I describe it to people um, is uh, when I lead mindfulness uh, stress reduction uh, groups would be, it's like your thoughts are literally, think of them as like horses. And these horses, you want them to line up at the gates in the morning. And then when the pistol is fired, they are running and running on tracks. But what you do in the morning is you have a bunch of these horses, they are running around and doing whatever. And with meditation, you just have these horses now in the right gates. And now you are ready to go. 
I like that. It's uh, and that's how at least how it felt to me when I have been practicing mindfulness meditation since twenty ten. Oh wow! 2010, yeah, 2010, 2011. and I know the days I don't do it, there's something off. Yes. I agree wholeheartedly. And there's some days, mornings I wake up and I'm like, I just don't feel like doing it. And no. then I will go and I'll open up my app and I'm like, just do it. Cause you know, every time you do that message was meant for you today, that whatever the guided yes. meditation is over, that's exactly what you needed today. Kind of like a horoscope, you know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. And, um, is if I can talk, I can speak for hours about the randomized controlled trials for mindfulness-based stress reduction, mindfulness cognitive behavioral therapy, MCBT, uh, mindfulness-based meditation versus uh, SSRIs, the main treatment for depression, prevention of relapse of depression, big study from Cambridge was in the Lancet. You have so many evidence now um, that this thing works, just how it works exactly is what scientists are trying to figure out at the moment. Then you have the chronic stress. This is the one that you do not want to have because this is the one where your adrenaline and cortisol are just nonstop getting the best of you. And that will be the thing that goes for months and months and months where people literally cannot quote unplug it just, they're always worried about something or worried about everything. Sometimes it can become pathological, what we call generalized anxiety disorder, GAD, uh, if it is more than six months and meets certain criteria. Um, and this is the stress that usually will lead to certain red flags. And I can tell you about the, the red flags for, for these ones. And what I would advise for this, obviously it would be a combination of, at this stage, you will have acute stress every day, which you can handle with these short breath um, uh, techniques. And then you will do the meditation every day, but still, you know, it's somehow working, somehow not working. And then the third, when you reach to that chronic stage, then you need to go to the source. What are the one or two things that if I am eliminated or controlled in my life, I will go from 100% stress to 20% stress. And you will be surprised. Um, you know the 20-80 rule, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not studied per se. Like no one can say, oh, this has been studied to show this. But in real life, you see it a lot. And usually if you just scratch beyond the surface with someone who's chronically stressed, you will see one or two things at their workplace that really push them to be chronically stressed out. It could be they're always behind and it's maybe a problem with organization, a problem with effectiveness, sometimes communication. They feel they are misunderstood most of the time, um, a bad boss, and there's no shortage of these. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like, or um, they feel lonely. Uh, and this happened a lot 
in, uh, in the last two years when someone joins the company virtually and now they join a team, but this person has not been seen before. So they are the inside, they are the insider outsider or the outsider insider. They feel alienated and that can drive a lot of their stress. So someone like this will go and talk literally to the boss and say, um, maybe I should have been more forthcoming about this. Um, I don't feel I'm part of the team. Uh, I know I joined in the virtual time. Is there any way I could be integrated in the team through maybe I will plan um, virtual lunch hour or I will uh, plan fun hour or uh, fun day Friday, virtual or non-virtual. If it is a communication issue, bring it directly uh, to the manager and acknowledge it. Like I noticed my emails or my communication seems to be misunderstood. What can I change to make it sound better or make it less harsh? Um, and these few tweaks ironically can make something really long-term um, more manageable. So I noticed on your website that you provide a few free assessment tools. Um, how do these assessments help the individuals when making a career decision? And which ones would you recommend? Like say I come to you and I'm like, I'm having acute stress. Or is there an mm -hmm. assessment there for me? Mm -hmm. So that's a great question, Casey. So the first thing I tell people, look at the wheel of life mm -hmm. assessment. Um, maybe I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, the wheel of life. So it is something we even use in um, the therapy groups. So it's not only for its therapy, but also in uh, coaching. Mm -hmm. And it's very simple, but it's a powerful tool where you visualize all the important areas in your life. And it gives you just a bird's view, bird's eye view of one's life. And some reason, because it's virtual, people will start to say, okay, this is important to me. Uh, and I haven't been thinking about it for a long time. This is less important and it's occupying all my time. And uh, you start to see, um, okay, if this is important for me, why haven't been spending time on it? And you will see, for example, some people who are entrepreneurial by nature. If you put these people in any regular job, they just feel suffocated. Really, as uh, I remember one of my good friends and uh, a guest on my show, um, LGO, would say uh, good entrepreneurs are bad employees. <laughs> and true. to some degree, it is right because they, they just can't fit in these nine to five. And other people, my Lord, they will thrive in this environment. They love the nine to five, they, and that is fine too. We need both. And when you look at the wheels of life for these people and say, my personal growth is one of my important priorities, but I'm not giving it any time. And this is where you will see there are 10 areas 
including spirituality, money, family, uh, love, career, fun, um, and you go from there. Another tool is the personality inventory. And personality inventory has been tested so many times across multicultures, which is important. There are versions in Turkish, Spanish, and English. And now um, even the American Psychiatric Association, there is a questionnaire for it. And there are five uh, big bucket personality traits that once you learn about yourself through them, you can say, aha, now I know why I'm acting this way or why I want this career. For example, just to make it simple, one of them is openness. Some people will have really, they are, or they rank, rank highly on openness. These people will be more um, okay to take risks. It doesn't mean they are not risk averse, it's just they are more okay to take risks. Uh, they are more willing to try different things. Uh, these people will have different kind of career versus someone who is low in openness. Because if you get one of them in the wrong position, they will keep struggling. And I read my heart goes to these people because it is not they're doing bad. It just you put something wrong. Like this person will not be a good postman officer. They will just be like. I call those the misaligned. Those are the people that, like me, you know, yeah. I was misaligned in my first career. I, w I went into accounting and I'm so not an accountant. Yeah. I, I don't like details. I don't like to ask questions. I just want the big picture and I want to go and I want to go hard and fast, you know. So I think that that's so important what you're saying to help reduce the stress is that make sure you're aligned with your career. Yes. How was it for you as an accountant? Because you're, I can't even imagine you, Casey, as an accountant. <laughs> I get that a lot. Um, yeah. It was, I think the reason that I could do what I did for so long is because I worked um, in a consulting company. Okay. And so I was doing a lot of biz dev along with the accounting. Um, and so I would go, I'd do the audits during the day, but then I'd take them out to dinner at night, you know? As though yes. it's like I would work for dinner, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. So you have, it, it uh, fulfilled your need for this. It's My social there. need. Yeah, I'm yes, very high exactly. social. Exactly. And the openness and listening to ideas. And But if it was only accounting period, like accounting for a hospital or a law, a law firm, yeah, that would have been... I wouldn't have made it as long as I did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And no offense to this, some people really thrive in this environment. Do you really want to go? Yeah. Just tell me what you want me to do and I will do it. And then after five, I'm done. I just want to have my own life. I don't care about business development. Uh, and we need both. Just, Absolutely. It, yeah. We definitely need accountants. So I tell you what, we are almost out of time and I want to make sure that I get to our VIP questions. So oh. are you ready? I'm going to take uh, you out of your hopefully. comfort zone. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? 
things or people. I will take um, someone who is loyal, whoever that person is, and who is caring and will be of good company because it will be so boring <laughs> there. Um, the second is, I assume, since we still don't have oxygen Mars, we'll need some uh, or many oxygen tanks, whatever, how, like whatever I live there. So we need oxygen. And uh, thing. I think it th another thing will be the water and food. Uh, if it's only people, um, I think three people who would be, uh, who will form a good team and with different expertise. Love it. Okay, so what's one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? Mindfulness meditation. I love it. First thing, I'm telling you, that's First a great thing. way to start the day. Yeah. So if your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? What would the headline be? Um, chapters. Ah, chapters. I, chapters. Because each of my life phases were distinctly marked as in by education phase or by a city or by something. I can so, see that. Yeah. That's a good one. How do Thank people you. find you? How do they find your assessments? What's the best way to oh, get to so, you? Oh, thank you. So uh, on my website, uh, DR, and then my last name, Solomon, S-O-L-I-M-A-N. I know it's not written as S-O-L-O-M-O-N, but you can blame my parents for this. <laughs> And then on the website, you will see the assessment tools. These are not, just to be clear, these are not uh, my tools. These are tools that have been validated by research community um, and other great scientists worked on them. Um, and you can find me on social media, all social media, DR, Solomon, S-O-L-I-M-A-N-M-D, all one word, including my YouTube channel and Instagram and TikTok and whatever else. That is amazing. I want to thank you so much for being here and spending time with us. I know we had to go the extra mile to get you on here today. So thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And I just have one last thing to say to you. Absolutely. You are a VIP. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. I appreciate it. And I appreciate the time being on your show. I appreciate your questions. I appreciate our chat outside the talk and um, it's sometimes what every one of us have um, an incident or something in their lives that really make them reflect about the next phase or what they are doing and what they want to do. Um, and I think both of us had uh, experiences where we needed to step back and think what's next and that's a wrap for today join us next week here on the we are vip podcast we'd love to know how we can help you be a vip to find out more log on to we are vip.com